Hello and welcome to another season of the Story Darks podcast. I am your co-host Mike. And I'm your co-host Alex. And today we are doing a Zero episode, which is a creator spotlight on uh, the creators of 8 Billion Genies from Image Comics, which is Charles Sewell and Ryan Brown. Uh, yeah, this is, a, this is a little new territory for us in that this is a book that just recently ended. As, as Mike and I are recording right now, the final issue of 8 Billion Genies just came out a couple of weeks ago. And, and, and as of yet, there, there is not a, a, a collected trade uh, uh, for this book yet. There, there is one coming. Uh, there's one scheduled uh, solicited for later in the year. It's a, it's a deluxe hardcover. So it's not even a, not even a trade paperback. But there will be a collection out there uh, eventually. But this is a, a comic that it, it's available out there now, though. You know, you can you, you can find it. Um, so it, and I, it, this will be a, a thick trade paper. I like. I uh, mean, these yeah. I felt these issues felt substantial to me all the way through. Uh, I don't and know. I think the deluxe hardcover might be a nice way to own it. Well, I don't know if they're they're oversized. There may be. I, I think the issues may be a little oversized. I think um, they, they hit about be, 30 pages instead of I was I was going to say closer I was going to say closer to 30 36 pages. So yeah, it's a little oversized and and Soul and Brown they will add I'm sure a, a ton of extra stuff in the deluxe oversized. So you'll get you I mean you may get scripts, you'll get, you know, behind the scenes stuff, maybe some well, some, variant some, gallery. some process pages. Yeah, yeah, you'll get you'll get character design, all all sorts of stuff there. So I'm sure that collection will be really really nice when it comes out, but Said in the meantime, the only way you can get this book now is is in single issue, and I I do think I mean so one thing I know it, it's available uh through libraries it's available through Hoopla all eight issues so if you have access to that you know hit up your library and 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 you can get a digital copy that way but it, it's also a book that I think I think is mostly available in comic shops at least in some form the uh I mean you 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 probably won't find a first printing of some of the early issues because they sold out. But I know the first three issues, I think went to five printings. I think, I think issue four went to three or four printings issues, five and six went to at least two printings and, and seven and eight, which the, you know, the, the most recent ones, you know, they haven't really had time to go to multiple printings yet, but it's possible those will as well. Uh, but given that they're the most recent ones, they're, they're, they're probably available at shops too. So uh, also, especially for issue number one, like a ton of variant covers, uh, which is both good and bad. That means there's probably some something floating out there. You know, there's some version of, of, of sure. the issue floating out there that you can find. Um, may and not be I, the cover that you really like, but if you just want an, you know, a, a, a copy of the book, you just want an, an, the issue, I'm sure you can find it. Yeah, and I will say... Uh, ordinarily it's not at the top of my recommendation list, but you know, desperate times and perfectly valid reading experience. You can always find this on comiXology. Yeah. And I think in this case in particular, I don't think I mind that as much since it has been optioned by Amazon for development, which means they are paying the creators. Um, you that, know, is so yeah, than, that is true. That is true. More so than Amazon. they would for like a normal digital yeah. comic distribution. Yeah. That being said, I'm still very bitter with Amazon Studios over the unjust cancellation of Paper Girls. Um, so and Amazon doesn't need any more money. So there are other that ways. That is true. And yeah, your there, comic shop, I guarantee, does. Yeah, there are other so. other ways to 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 get the to get the comic. But I said, it, it, even though it's not collected, it is out there. Um, but I said it, it is still 
something different for us to do a, a comic so new like this. Um, Cause yeah, I mean the, the first issue only came out, you know, May, 2022. Um, you know, they had a, they had a preview issue in December uh, that was um, at uh, at C2E2, which is the uh, Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo. Uh, that was in December 2021. Both Charles Soule and, and Ryan Brown were at the at the con, and they had special preview issues of of A Billion Genies number one, which I don't think had been announced yet or, or solicited yet because it wasn't coming out until May, so it wouldn't have been in the solicits until like February or something like that. But they had a, they had the copy there and, and they were selling them. Uh, so, you know, I was, I was pretty excited to, to get that and see that uh, and, and was, was really on board when it finally did it, when it finally did uh, get released, but you know, yeah, eight issues for 8 billion genies, May, 2022 to April, 2023. Um, and uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a nice compact, even though the issues you're right, Mike, they are a little oversized, but it's a nice compact, uh, a quick read, I think, and and a a very a satisfying story, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, we'll get into this a little later, and then obviously in depth in the next episode. But I read I read the first issue, and I was like, I'm I'm totally hooked, but I had this uh, lurking question in the back of my head as soon as the book started, which was, how are they going to end this? Yeah. Like, do they have a plan? Yeah. Like, can they stick the landing on something with such great promise? And um and, and we'll get to that next episode. Uh I although I will say by like issue four, I forgot about that. I was just <laughs> so wrapped up in the experience and enjoying it. And I just kept I couldn't believe the premise kept expanding on itself in the way that it, you know kind of yeah. said it would it was yeah. like yeah. eight hours eight days eight weeks yeah 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 months yeah. We'll, eight years yeah. yeah we'll get there we'll get um, there um but now you know i i i i right off the top i i agree entirely with with that kind of mindset as you're as you start reading it uh you kind of go through those stages with the story so uh anyway let's get into these creators a little bit um sure. i i think the let's go with the biggest name first which is sure yes yeah. yeah charles soul um charles soul the writer he um you know he uh he has mostly he, I, I the 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 main chunk of his work I think is 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 he's known working at Marvel. He's got a little bit of DC work kind of early on um kind of notably he he had a few years on writing Swamp Thing. He uh he took over the title after Scott Snyder. Uh he also originated the title uh Superman Wonder Woman. The that title he wrote the first twelve issues of that. Was part of the uh, the New Fifty Two reboot. Um, that was the one that had that on. one killer movie poster variant. Yeah, it, 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 they had it, like it was the a, Gone with the Wind, Superman, yeah, Wonder Woman. Is that it? it? it, it well, yeah. yeah, it's that series. It's that series. Yeah, he wrote okay. the first twelve issues of that. Um, he wrote some a little run on Red Lanterns. Uh, said it wasn't a, not a whole lot, not a whole lot of DC. Uh, his his main his main for hire stuff, his main superhero stuff. Well, I guess not a superhero. I guess I should say for higher stuff is at Marvel. Most notably, runs on uh, both Daredevil and She-Hulk, uh, which is fitting for Soul because uh, he is a lawyer by trade, like in his in his day job. And and uh, I, I don't know if he's still a practicing lawyer at this point, given how much writing he's done and, and kind of the, the success he's seen. But he is a lawyer by trade. That's where he started out. So him writing both Jennifer Walters and Matt Murdock uh, seems very very fitting. Sure. Uh, to the point where I believe his, you know, his 
his She-Hulk run wasn't a direct influence on the on the Marvel Studios show, the Disney Plus show for She-Hulk, but it was it was kind of a an aesthetic influence. The idea of her spending a little more time in court, a little less overt superheroing, and a little more on the the legal side, the Boston uh, legal vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said a lot of that. A lot of that vibe came from from Soul's run. Um, he also had a a, a decent impact writing. Uh, both the Inhumans and the X-Men in the era right before where we are right now for both of those books. Um, most notably, he uh, he co-wrote the Inhumans versus X-Men event. He co-wrote that with Jeff Lemire. Uh, that was, what, 2016, 2017, somewhere in there. Um, and, and he wrote a bunch of – he wrote an Inhumans title. He wrote some various X titles in that, in that time from between like 2014-ish, 2018-ish. Um, you know, he, he relaunched, uh, a new version of Astonishing X-Men, um, uh, and, and a couple other books like Death of Wolverine, um, and then also possibly the return of Wolverine as well, uh, because no one ever, no one ever dies, but it, it was sure. a, a lot of the X-Men books I said right before the current Kokoa age of, of X-Men, which, which started in 2019. So for the, the three or four years right before that, he was heavily involved in the X office, but his, I would say his biggest impact uh, at Marvel has been in the Star Wars office, uh, with, like without question. Um, you know, starting in 2015, when when Marvel bought Lucasfilm or or w when they purchased Lucasfilm and and started to 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 revisit the story in, in the comics, uh, Soul's been involved in some way pretty much from the jump. Uh, initially, started out um, writing some of the kind of the ancillary miniseries. You know, so when 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 Marvel brought the Star Wars books back, they set the story in between episodes four and five, between A New Hope and uh, Empire Strikes Back. And um, uh, Jason Aaron wrote the main title initially, and then Kieran Gillen came in and wrote uh, uh, wrote the main title. And Charles Soule was writing some of the ancillary titles, like he wrote a, a Lando Calrissian mini, uh, he wrote a Obi Wan and Anakin mini. Uh, he wrote the Poe Dameron series, which was obviously set in a, uh, that was set in the uh, the sequel trilogy timeline. So it wasn't part of the same wasn't part of the same continuity as the main Star Wars books. Um, that was very good, and he also wrote a very very good uh, Darth Vader series. That was kind of series two of Darth Vader, which that was set uh, that was actually set post uh, Revenge of the Sith. Um, so he, he had written a lot of these ancillary Star uh, Star Wars stories. Oh. He also wrote the Rise of Kylo Ren, which is like the backstory of Kylo Ren. So while the while the main Star Wars books were going on, you know, in between episodes four and five, he was writing some of these ancillary stories in the world of Star Wars. You know, uh, expanding the universe both in the the sequel trilogy and, and some of the other books as well. Um, but it wasn't until 2020 when Marvel ended that current Star Wars line and they they jumped the timeline to in between episodes five and six. So now we're set between uh, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. When they did that in 2020, Charles Soule was brought on to write the main the mainline title, the main Star Wars title. And he's been directing the Star Wars line uh, ever since. Um, you know, the, it's a little strange because, you know, the in the Star Wars timeline between episodes four and five, there's three years canonically. Right. There's three years of time. And in between Empire and Jedi, there's only one year of time. Uh, and it's also fairly obvious what happens in between. Uh, oh, it's the Shadow of the Empire. Well, was, well, was the original. 
Yeah, well, we, the, the, the gap the, fill there. Old canon is gone now. Um, but but you know, when when you're watching the movies, at the the end of four is a pretty definitive ending. You know, with the Death Star blowing up and the the medal ceremony, and then when we jump in on five, they're on Hoth, and there's three years there, and a lot of stuff can happen. So it was real fertile ground for for storytelling, and that's what Marvel uh, uh, and and Lucasfilm really mined in the comics. In, in between episodes five and six, you know, there's only one year, and obviously, you know, from the end, right the end, when 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 Han goes away with 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 Boba Fett, and we know where he's going, and then we pick right back up with the rescue mission of Han on Tatooine. It's like there's only one year of time there, but it's pretty obvious what's happening. Like they make a plan to get Han back from from Jabba the Hutt. It, it, right. it seems pretty straightforward. Um, but what Soul has done is he's created a whole mythology there, a whole timeline, a whole set of events um, surrounding Kira and Crimson Dawn from characters from the Solo movie that no one ever, no one liked because it wasn't very good. But it brought in this whole war of the bounty hunters and Crimson Dawn, this fight against the Empire, and he's 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 woven this incredible story that again takes place in one canonical year in Star Wars. But he's been directing that for the past three years now in Star Wars, and it's been it's been really really phenomenal. Um, now you read also, a lot of these Star Wars properties, right? Literally all of them. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, literally yeah. all the all the Star Wars all, all the Star Wars comics. Uh, I haven't read all of the novels. That's a lot there, but I read all the Star. I've read every every one of the Star Wars comics. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, and and what I've been told is uh, like I'm you know I grew up watching four, five, and six on repeat. Mm-hmm. Wore out the tapes. Read some, yeah. you know, of I guess what back then would have been called fan fiction. Now it's called like legacy or something. You know, books. Well, well, it wasn't uh, like, well, the, it was, like the Crispin it, Solo trilogy. Well, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't fan. It, it, it was official. It, 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 it that was the 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 EU expanded universe. It was all official. It's just it, and it was canon. It it got decanonized now. Yeah, now it's called Legends. Um, Legends, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I I interacted with a lot of that stuff. I was young enough when the prequels came out that I watched them in theaters as a young Star Wars fan and really enjoyed the experience. And I'm right of that age where by the time they really came out on DVD, I was aware of the not good elements, in, to put it mildly. Uh, so now I don't really enjoy the prequels anymore. And then, you know, I was excited about, uh, you know, the J.J. The Abrams one coming out, saw all those in the theaters and, you know, not a big fan of the sequel trilogy. I didn't I'm like the one guy who didn't like Rogue One. So I'm just like, you know what? I think I'm out of like the Disney Marvel Star Wars or the Disney Star Wars stuff. And my friends who are huge Star Wars people have said like, oh, you need to watch like the animated stuff and you need to read the comics. That's where the best stuff is happening. It's not actually on the big screen. It's definitely not on the big screen. Now, I will say, I mean, I loved Rogue One and I loved Andor. Um, Those are probably the best live action things. I think that and Last Jedi are the 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 best live action things, either TV or movie that's come out. Um, but no, without question, the animated stuff headed by headed by Dave Filoni is is phenomenal. Um, you know, the Mandalorian is good, it's up and down, but I think excuse me, the Clone Wars and Rebels, Bad Bats, that stuff is incredible. And the comics have been so, so good. And both of them, both of the uh the, the I think the the comics and the books as well, too. Uh, I know people who who have read the books and have really really enjoyed them. 
Uh, so the the animated stuff and any of the written stuff, comics or books, they've done a lot of work um, rehabilitating the both the the prequels and the sequel trilogy, uh, making things make sense, making things seem not as terrible. Um, you know, rehabbing characters and plot lines and all of that. Uh, it's a, it's it's a lot of obvious retcon work, but. It is still it's still really really good, and I said I I, I love the comics, and and Soul has been a huge huge part of that at at, at Marvel. Um, on top of that, you know he's also uh, one of the main architects for the High Republic era, which is the you know kind of the this new new idea that that Marvel and and Lucasfilm have have brought forth. You know it's an era of of the Jedi. I think even well before the time of like. Knights of the Old Republic and all that. I can't remember the exact timeline, but um, you know, like the one of the new one of the new Star Wars shows that's going to come out, The Acolyte, is set during this time frame, which is way, 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 way in the past. And and, and this High Republic era is something that that they've they've really kind of pushed. This kind of initiative they've had uh, to tell different types of Star Wars stories, and and Soul has been a a, a huge, huge part of that. Uh, to the point where uh, I think just. Just last year, I believe he was brought on as a as an official creative consultant at Lucasfilm. So, like he okay. had, he's having he has input, uh, significant input, I think, on 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 the stories uh, uh, and the worlds that that Lucasfilms are is building with Star Wars. I guess I said I don't know how much of that is is with the current things that are going on, but I I do believe that was probably tied to like the acolyte and the High Republic stuff. Because uh, he he said he was one of the one of the main people involved in, in creating that uh, to the point where he um you know aside from comics Soul is also a, he's also a novelist and uh, I believe it was called the Light of the Jedi which was uh, one of his novels that he's written which is uh, a specific High Republic novel that kicked off that was the first thing released for the High Republic era you know there are books uh, there are comics there are then also all ages comics like uh. Sorry, I, I, let's change it up there. There's the, there, there are books like novels, like adult novels, quote unquote. Right. You know? Then there's also a line of like YA novels, I think, uh, YA and like middle grade novels. And then there are the higher public comics and various spinoffs, which are like, again, quote unquote, for adults. And then there is the higher public adventures which are the all ages like kids comics and so they're really blanketing and, and hitting this higher public from a whole bunch of areas as that his novel uh i think uh, uh light of the jedi was was the first uh first kind of salvo into the higher public era that anyone ever saw so he, he's been real involved in that he has some other books as well which i think are really really good they're kind of soft sci-fi uh the oracle year and anyone uh, he's got another book coming out later this summer, I believe, called The Endless Vessel. And so they're all kind of soft sci-fi. They're kind of light, breezy reads. I really, if you, um, if you like your science fiction, I kind of want to say it's a little like Quantum Leap in that it's like it's real world, but like with just like one little, one little, one little sci-fi twist. It's not a fantasy world. Yeah, you yeah. Know? It's not a. It's our Which, world. With with a with just a little bit of advanced tech or a little bit of a little bit of 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 something out of the ordinary that that makes something special or different. And um, I so, think yeah. that's generally what I like. I mean, just like when it comes to fantasy, I like the urban fantasy. I'm like, yeah, take the yeah, world yeah. I live in and add yeah. a twist. 
yeah, yeah, uh, so yeah. So that yeah. I'm not memorizing a bunch of new maps and languages and exactly, yeah, uh, and I think histories I think, and things yeah, like that. The Oracle Year and Anyone are 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 along those kinds of lines. Uh, they're, they're they're really really fun reads and and really good. To, I think you, you can you can burn through them really quick. Um, Which uh, you know, and I think basically same premise, perhaps a little more developed. Is you know when you get to uh, his other comics, which like Undiscovered Country. Oh yeah, well, which it, is it, like shared history, but fast forward on a particular trajectory for I don't I can't remember the hundred years. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Well, I, I, I was just going to get to that in terms of his creator own stuff, his creator own comics. They all have this bent of this kind of soft sci fi, soft fantasy. You know where he's not he's not dealing with um you know. For the most part, dealing with otherworldly, high fantastical stuff here, you know, I think he saves that for Star Wars. You know, right. that that, that kind of, but yeah, all of his, all most of his comics have that kind of bent to it. You know, he's got a couple, like I think, uh, one of his longest runs um, was a book at Oni Press called Letter Forty Four. He did that with artist uh, Alberto Jimenez Albuquerque. That's like a that's like a real world based political sci fi thriller. It's an idea that this is you know again based in the real world. Uh, I think dealing with like colonization of Mars and the moon and things like that. So it's um, maybe a little harder sci-fi in, in, in some of the themes, but again, rooted in the real world, you know? Right. So similar, maybe more similar to like the Martian or something like that, or, you know, maybe a little, little more Martian, a little less moonfall or something, but it's that same kind of thing. You mentioned Undiscovered Country. That's a book that he, uh, he co-writes with Scott Snyder and, uh, and I've always wondered what that co-writing looks like. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, I, there's just I, no way to know unless you talk to them. Well, uh, they're, but... they're, they're, yeah, there, 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 there are a lot of ways you can do it. Um, you know, I, the, 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 the couple that I think of right away, um, on Grayson, of like Gotham Central. Well, I think Gotham you Central. Alternate, yeah, Brubaker you know, and Phillips. They you handle they the storyline. I handle that one. Yeah, they, they they broke it up based on on characters. Um, I was thinking of Grayson as well, which was Tim Seeley and. And, and Tom, Tom King, King. Yeah. that was Tom King's early, earliest work. And so it was almost like Tim Seeley was mentoring him, I think, where they would, they would break story together. And then, and then maybe Seeley would, would, would break down and actually write the dialogue, specific dialogue and script. So they would come with the ideas together and then, and then actual scripting for paneling and things like that would go to Tim Seeley. And then as they, as they work together longer then they, they kind of maybe shifted off issues or things like that or who actually did the scripting as as kind of tom got more and more familiar so but you know with with snyder and 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 soul i mean they're both experienced enough they know what's up so i i, I wonder if it's more just a matter of them co co creating story you know knowing where the character's going to go what they're going to do what they're going to encounter and, and things like that um but yeah, you know that that's currently ongoing. He has another book and image uh, with Will Sliney, uh, Hell to Pay, which I think is just an ongoing miniseries. I think that's like it's like it's three, another eight. I was gonna say I, I think it's it's three or four issues into either a six or eight miniseries, um, uh, which is uh, uh, yeah, you know it, it, it's an interesting book. It's 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 an it's an interesting idea. The idea of like having to collect coins from the devil or for the devil, um, but I think. The, the, literally the, the phantom stranger yeah kind of yeah yeah uh he also has a, an early 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 book uh with image called 27 which is a, a comic uh with uh renzo pedestra that uh it, it 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 it's inspired by the fabled 27 club you familiar with that i'm not no oh uh, it, it, it's the idea 
of the um the number of legendary music- musicians who all died at age 27. Oh, okay. Like Janis Joplin, sure. uh you know, Kurt Cobain, I think um um Jimi Hendrix, uh, uh, you know, if, if you if you Google Twenty Seven Club, you'll see like some of the most legendary names. And so I think Charles Soule is also a musician. He's also very much, so aside from the comics work and being a lawyer, he's also he's also a musician. So I think music plays a big part. And so this idea of, of setting a comic in that in that idea inspired by that is something that really appeals to him. Uh, but I think the, the, the see the most relevant to our discussion here will be his comic, his previous comic he did with. With Ryan Brown, which is curse words, which is uh, ran twenty five issues in Image plus a handful of specials, plus a plus a final like a finale that they did through Kickstarter because it happened to come like during the COVID lockdown. Um, but that that's a a completely wild and ridiculous book, very similar in a lot of ways to to Eight Billion Genies. Uh, it's about a it's about a wizard who comes to comes to Earth. And become super rich and famous because he's out here doing magic for people. Uh, but the the twist is that he's actually evil and he was sent here by his boss to take over the world. But he liked being rich and famous better. So we did that instead. Uh, okay. And that's that's where the tension of lies uh, uh, comes from. But because we're dealing with magic and, and things like that, again, you think about the art and, and what, what it can do. It can get really absurd really quickly. You know, really fantastical, really out there, and if, if we think about what your what, what eight billion genies is about, uh, as as we'll get to next week, there. But you think about the art and how absurd and ridiculous and over the top it can get because of what you know your imagination can. You're only limited by your imagination. Curse words has a lot of that same feel and vibe, and so it 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 really made a it made a lot of sense to me that they. This kind of book they would continue with because it, it's it is the kind of thing that that Ryan Brown I think excels at even in his own work outside of his collaborations with with Charles Sewell, um, namely for Ryan Brown you know who again we'll say on this book he is the artist he's the main colorist he did the design work I think he does his own his own inking and everything he's basically all of the art there uh, on on Eight Billion Genies um, he has his own book that was um, probably his most well known is God Hates Astronauts is yep. a book that he wrote and drew initially as a webcomic and then eventually came out through image. Uh, it's kind of a, you know, it's a satirical superhero comic. Um, you know, it's kind of poking fun at superheroes and kind of, again, the absurdity and over the topness. And that really fits, that really fits his, uh, his, his art style. Um, he's done some other stuff as well. I think he's done some, some stuff at, at Valium, sorry, Valiant. Um, did a, a a run on on Quantum and Woody as an artist. Uh, worked as a writer at Dynamite for the, this comic called Project Superpowers, uh, Hero Killers. And not not really familiar with either one of those. I have seen a lot of his work though on covers, both main covers and variant covers on all kinds of books. So as an artist, he does a lot of that stuff as well. Uh, but when it comes to his his creator own stuff, you know, it's really it's really you're really looking at God hates astronauts. You're looking at curse words, and you're looking at eight billion genies, which will, the the you know the book we're going to be talking about next week. So um, outside of that, yeah, he doesn't have he doesn't have much else. Um, I do think it's funny though. Um, I, I don't know exactly at, at when they set it up, but uh, I guess because Soul and Brown like working together, and they've done it before. They created a production company which they called Silent E Productions um, because both Soul and oh, Brown sure. 
yeah. have a have a silent E at the end there, which I think is, pretty good. Is, is, is very good and clever. So uh so yeah, now that eight billion eight billion genies is done, I don't know what they're gonna do next, but I I really hope that you know, I, I, one, I hope that Soul keeps working on Star Wars stuff because I love it there. But I, I, I can't wait to see what what Soul and Brown do next because uh, whatever it is, I'm definitely going to be in it. Yeah, and I, I'm sure Image would like to have more ongoing series. You know, they're always, yeah. always as a publisher looking for that tentpole. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, and, but and that is these too. Yeah. limited series are so good, and, and it is, and and there is, uh, yeah, there there is um. There was that kind of push and pull. You you mentioned that eight billion genius had been optioned, um, you know, for 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 well, sure. For but adaptation. even you know, compare compare eight billion genies as a book yeah. to undiscovered country, which is and, ongoing, and, and, and most people wish it wasn't. Like and, even and, people who liked it early on, and, 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 and I kind of trailed and, off on it. And I, I'm I'm the exact same way. I started with you. I started I started out when that when that first came because I. I creative team was definitely in on and then i, I kind of slowly lost interest in it as it kind of lost teams it went on and i will definitely read it at some point whenever it finishes up i'll go back and finish it all um but yeah the there is something about i i think there's something about production companies looking at miniseries and being like listen that's like six eight ten twelve whatever it is we can we can make that and we can make that into a one or two season thing we can pay right. for it a prestige it, thing get, yeah. yeah exactly get it in and out put it out there they can win some awards and we can move on to the next one and we aren't pot committed to this thing now you know we can make this thing people can get paid and we can be done with it but i yeah i think you're right with image they would want something like undiscovered country specifically something like that because undiscovered country when that hit it was one of the 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 biggest releases um i actually have a note about that here i want to say um Oh yeah, I mean, w- w- when that first hit, they they needed that because it, it it fell into the, it when it came out, it fell into that window of the Walking Dead had just ended and Saga was still on unknown hiatus, you know. Right. And so Image was scrambling for what's the next big thing, and it seemed like Undiscovered Country was going to be that, and it hit huge. And then I think it really kind of weaned out to I think you know it has its its readership, but it's not it's not at this the, the, this massive level that they wish it was at. Let me ask you something now, since we're talking about image and now we've covered image before uh, on zero episodes and we typically don't, you know, re re explore creators, but our very first episode would have been the zero for paper girls, which was image. And as I'm recalling, we did the boom um, creator own in last September for grass Kings right afterwards. And and we were kind of talking about the recent, um, for lack of a better word, boom, boom. Yeah. Uh, oh, where, yeah. Th- where they were really jockeying for, you know, beside the, aside from the big two, we're the biggest name in comics yeah. Yeah. Uh, with their IP. Yeah. And I've been thinking about that more and more as I watch new solicits and the books I'm following. I think image is still king, right? Oh, uh, oh no. Of, oh, of indie creator yeah, own oh, stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, indie, certainly it, with, you know, the, the deal with Brubaker and Phillips. Now they've got the deal with Lemire. I was talking to an artist at a local Comic-Con not long ago, and he said he had reached out to Jeff Lemire for a variant cover of his book. And Jeff said, oh, sure, that'd be great. And then two days later, Jeff said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize your book was on an image, and I'm not allowed to do a variant for you anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, man, that yeah. is some image flex power. Yeah. Well, uh, it, it, where, yeah. Uh, you know, Jeff Lemire now has to say no. Yeah, uh, because yeah. he's got such a contract, but it's such yeah. it's such a lucrative contract that he signed for it. him. Oh yeah, yeah, right. the, the, absolutely, um, yeah. No, no, the, the image is still by far w- w- in terms of 
you know, they're still the big, they're still number three, without question. It's Marvel, it's DC, and then it's Image. No question about that. Um, they still have, uh, I think they still have the best deal in terms of what goes back to creators, in terms of what how they get paid, what they own. But I do believe you have to do more work for that as well. Uh, you know, that, that's kind of the trade-off versus working with like Boom or Dark Horse or something like that. So I Image, I think, according to creators, still has the best deal. Um, but this it, it's a lot of work there. But, you know, Boom is really making strides. I think I think what, what Boom has done and I, I think I may have mentioned this way back in the in the Grass Kings when we talked about uh, talked about Boom there. You know, several years ago, you could kind of set your your watch to um, the comic market being broken down to every month being about forty five percent Marvel, thirty five percent DC, ten um, percent Image, and then ten percent everybody else. Right, like Boom, Dark Horse, uh, uh, um, you know. It, it, all the small press stuff, Oni, everything up. You could you could set your watch to that. Um, I think Image has dropped a little bit there, probably, and I think Boom has emerged enough where they could be their own thing. I don't know what the number is now, but I think they're that they've they've been really smart about their distribution. In that, um, what they don't do is they don't flood the market. They have not flooded the market um, uh, with with. Uh, uh, with a bunch of titles, which is something right. that I think they could have done as they were, as they were, as they were getting bigger. Um, they, uh, they were really smart. They limited their titles. They focused on stuff they thought was going to be a hits and they've been really, really big hits. And I think that's why we've seen some books, you know, that you would think maybe would be an image book back in the day. Now being on, now being on something like boom, you know? So, you know, it's not that image is scrambling, you know, Im image isn't hurting, you know, but I'm sure, of course, they would love to have bigger hits, big ongoing hits, stuff that they know is going to sell month in and month out. But, you know, I think the, the landscape is just changing, you know, and so well, that I mean, and they have plenty, you know, it's not like they're yeah, they're definitely not hurting. You know, they've got Saga going again um, and they've got, uh, you know, I assume Undiscovered Country is still selling well enough if it's oh, still yeah, going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know they have ongoing series. They're but, crushing it with miniseries. Well, and that's the thing. There's a lot of minis out there, and and maybe we're getting to the point now where you know that that's kind of where where things go for image. I don't know. I I can't imagine they would want that. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I of course, undiscovered country still sells because it's still on the shelves. But I can almost guarantee it's not selling the way that they. I think they kind of thought it would want it to. You know, they would want some really. They'd want some some oomph behind it, um, like like because it started out like a house on fire. It came out so big, and then I just I don't think they sustained it. So yeah, I, I don't know where where it goes. I mean, I think they would love to have these again these ongoing series, but w when you're presented with something like Eight Billion Genies, which has a a very kind of specific motif to it, you know, um, around eight, there's going to be a mini series, and we're, we're we're gonna we're gonna put everything we have into this series, and we're gonna and we're gonna we're gonna make it, we're gonna put it out, and then it's gonna be done. I, I guess image could be okay with that if it sells also with the idea that because a after it's done, you're going to get the next one, you know? Right. You know, you know, Brown and, 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 and soul don't have the same kind of overall deal with image. Um, uh, they seem like a duo that could be up for it. Now. I, I don't know what that would mean for, for I, the I'm Marvel sure that, stuff. Yeah. You'd yeah, have I, to get a huge star Wars clause. Well, I, 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 well, that's there. the thing though. I, I 
the, the deals though for for Brubaker and, and Phillips and and for Lemire, it, that's all that's all creator owned stuff anyway. It's all about when you create a new comic, you know, Image will put it out first. You know that, and so I, I have to imagine you can have a caveat for you know writing a, uh, you know, writing over at 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 Marvel. I mean, you know, um, yeah, I I don't know. I I I I wouldn't want to affect that though. But these are two guys that it seems like they could have that kind of deal down the line. You know what I'm saying? Where yeah. Image wants to be in business with them. Hey, every time you guys got a book out, if it's ongoing, great. If it's a miniseries, whatever. Bring it to us. We'll put it out. Um, you know, because they 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 seem to have a good working relationship. Um, and and they they their books are. I mean, they're a lot of fun, and and they have an audience. You know, I think these guys know when they put a book out. You know, based off of what they saw with Curse Words and now Eight Billion Genies, I think they know they have an audience. They know what they can sell, and they know that uh, people are going to show up for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, well, that's that's image. That's Ryan. That's Charles. Yeah. Uh, a couple other shout outs on this oh, series. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, Chris crank on letters. Yeah. Chris crank on letters who, um, oh, he, he's credited in this as Chris crank, uh, previous professional credits. He was credited as crank exclamation point. Oh yeah. No, I was backing away uh, from my mic so I could okay. go crank. Yes. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. that's how it's supposed to be read. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he's a letter. Uh, he's done a whole bunch of, a uh, whole bunch of Indian small press stuff, uh, and worked with, both soul and and brown on the other projects you know lettering eight billion genies and curse words together uh undiscovered country letter 44 god hates astronauts hell to pay so basically all the work that that soul and, and brown have done a lot of it the creator own stuff um you know crank has has lettered he's also done a whole bunch of um a whole bunch of books kind of repeated business books i guess uh if you look down his his cv books like uh hack slash Revival, Money Shot, those are all written by Tim Seeley. Um, uh, he has um, a, a number of books by Cullen Bunn, Mike Norton, Brian Hurt. Um, God, uh, who else here? I mean, we Jamie see this Rich, all the Jones. time, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. the creators have their letterer. Yeah, they're, and the they're guys like, they work with. Yeah. when I'm happy with the product, you stop shopping. Yeah, well, um, and, and, and I think it, what, what's interesting, too, is that he works with a lot of not the same writers. So he's not working with the same people who give him a similar kind of dialogue beats, but he's also working with a lot of the same artists again, which means he understands where his word balloons and his, his text boxes are going to go on the panel, you know? So, so it's not just the same writers over and over again. It's also the same artists over again. And these are the same artists, maybe with different writers, you know, it's the people that he, that maybe they're familiar with his work and, and vice versa, that he knows, what to expect from the artist so he knows he's going to get left what kind of room he's going to get left you know on the panel he's not going to cover anything up that he doesn't that he's not supposed to so it, it, yeah it's which the idea I, of, I specifically yeah. asked hillary jenkins about that in our yeah. in our interview with her i said you know when you're yeah. doing the art when you do the colors and you're like here's a really beautiful spot of watercolor how do you know whether your letterer is going to stomp all over that and she kind of said like oh whatever just trust him yeah. you know exactly. i did my yeah. part of it uh, yeah. in the assembly line, basically. And I was like, she's remarkably chill. I could imagine some other artists being much more uptight. I don't, I mean, I, you, I think to work in this industry, cause yeah, you know, it, 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 it's a handoff, you know, you, you, especially, you know, 
it, maybe it's different when 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 you're when when she's coloring there. But yeah, you 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 get your piece, you do it, you hand it to the next guy, hand it to the next guy, the next guy, next guy, and you know you have to trust there. There has to be a trust there, and I have right. to imagine. And the script guy is already three issues ahead. The penciler is two issues yeah. ahead of you. Yeah, yeah, and so, it's like you really can't slow down process but yeah no you know seeing 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 the work that uh seeing the creators that 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 crank has worked with over and over again um yeah th th there's a sense of they know he's going to do good work and you know we'll, we'll talk about it here um given the nature of the book uh and it's kind of again the i keep returning it to the kind of absurd fantastical nature of 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 the premise uh you can do a lot with lettering and i saw it him do a similar thing with curse words again this and curse words are are very very close cousins in terms of uh what you're seeing on the page uh what, what they're trying to depict visually and and a big part of that is the lettering i think crank does an awesome job uh because it, it's not just he's not just doing straight dialogue you know it's not just people talking right. it there, there, there's so much more that he can he can get across um with the story uh again because of the because the there are no bounds or limits to 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 what they could depict in 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 this comic. So yeah, he had his work cut out for him, and I think he did a did an awesome job. Um, yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, uh, I, and I was oh. well. Sorry. No, no, no. no. I'm going to save it for when we get into the book. I was going to talk okay. about how he had to letter all the translations of different languages and things like that. But look, oh, we'll sure. just cover that when we get yeah, into yeah, the book. Okay, sure. Yeah, we, we, we can get that later there. Yeah. Uh, I guess the final final credits there is we, we always want to wrap it up here with, uh, you know, giving everyone a shout out. There is uh, uh, Kevin Nipstein, who is uh, credited as, as color as color assists. Um, I'm not really certain what that is, but all I do know, it, we, we did see that he has worked with Ryan Brown before. I think doing a similar thing on on God hates astronauts. So maybe that's coming in doing some a little bit of finishing. Maybe it's it's flattening whatever it is. Um, but you know he is he is there and and he has done some work with with Ryan Brown before in his art. So someone he knows and and for whatever reason uh, coming in to to pinch it a little and, and help out, which is which is always great if you if you need the help, reach out to someone you know and trust. Uh, and then there is um, uh, Erica Schrantz who is listed as production design. I wonder if that's helped with uh, some of the layouts and, and some of the, because Ryan Brown is credited as designer in terms of the, the title fonts and things like that. So I wonder if there was some help there with again, layouts and, and actually putting together the, the physical issues. But, uh, but yeah, that's our, our full creative team here on a, uh, on 8 billion genies. Yeah. Well that, and I, I think when you're a Ryan Brown and you're trying to do pencil, ink, color, everything, yeah. Yeah. there has to be something you can hand off because that's yeah. a that's a titanic you know endeavor it to really say, is yeah. uh, you know yeah. all of this stuff yeah we're going to try to yeah. just try and, to do and, that as and, one person and i wonder too um because th th this is not the case with every artist but um anytime there's a sound effect like an onomatopoeia kind of thing a large sound effect a lot of times that is art and not the letterer you know, if it's like in panel. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, so like, I, I know it's that way for, for, for saga anything in saga, you know, it, it, um, all the, all the letters, there, letters, captions, things like that. That's all phonographics. But anytime in that book, there's a sound effect or you have hazel narrating. So it's that handwritten, handwritten narration. That's all Fiona staples. So, so depending on what the actual use letterings for so he may be outside of doing his art and all that stuff may also be writing sound effects in as well i don't know if that's the case here um or if cranked at all of that but you know there there's there's a lot on ryan brown's plate already 
you know, there's a lot, of, there's a lot oh, yeah. on his plate already. So yeah, I can imagine any help he has to, to, to hand off some things, maybe just, you know, you mentioned the assembly line. If he can hand off just one thing on the assembly line, knowing that it, it'll right. come back to him again, but if he can just hand one thing off for one step and then it comes back to him, I'm sure that's, that's helpful to, to keep things on, um, on track and, and on time. All right. So before we wrap, I want to give the uh, image official solicit. This is, I think, what it took for you and I to pick it up off the shelf. Uh, honestly, well, maybe, me, maybe, maybe for you, I was picking it up already because of curse of, words. Yeah, I, okay. Yeah, I, I, I was bought in already, but yeah, uh, this I, I was they... bought in actually because of the art for the genie. Uh, but then oh, I read yeah. the premise and I was like, okay, okay. Uh, so here was their solicit: eight billion genies. If you had one wish, what would you wish for? Now, what if everyone else had one wish too? That's 8 Billion Genies, the new eight-issue series from Charles Soule and Ryan Brown. At exactly the same moment, everyone on Earth gets a genie and one wish, all hell breaks loose in a very entertaining way. And that's just the beginning. Buckle in for the wildest ride of the year. As far I mean, as solicits go, that's really not bad. I kind of wonder yeah, if they wrote yeah. it themselves. Uh, they probably did. I mean, yeah, that, that, that's 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 very, very good. Because, um, yeah, there, there's... It's not like they're trying to hide the premise. This isn't one like this isn't like a gotcha premise. They're telling right, there's you there's no big reveal. Yeah, yeah. It's all about what they're telling you what the setup is, which you know, they gets in the first part of the issue. But yeah, it's all about what happens next. And I think what's really what's really clever about the book is, um, you know, it's eight billion genies, it, it, which the idea is that there's eight billion people on Earth. Uh, it's an eight part miniseries, and each issue. Uh, follows a a different kind of time frame of the world. So in the first issue, it covers, um, you know, they they call it G Day, the day when 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 all the genies showed up. Right. Um, the first issue covers the first eight seconds after that happens, and the first eight minutes. Uh, you see how the world has changed, and there's always you, you get these updates from you get you, you get this uh you, you get an update of uh, human population and genie population. So right, that's uh, your Cronus card. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know, every time you make a wish, if you, once you make your wish, your genie grants it and disappears. Um, so yeah, first issue, first eight seconds, first eight minutes. Issue two is the first eight hours after G Day. Then next issue, first eight days. Then the first eight weeks. Then the next first eight months eight years, eight decades. And then the final issue is the first eight centuries. So it covers a span of 800 years to see what does the world look like? What is the result of the world after, after, you know, everyone is granted the, uh, the access to one wish. Yeah. Uh, and I found, I found that structure more shocking than the, because I thought, Oh, this is kind of fun, cutesy, whatever for the first two months. Yeah, but when it kept going, I was like, "Oh boy, that you know." Well, they... it, it, it it allows for so much story, so much depth because you, you are having these time jumps there, but you can see how how it affects and you know what does it mean to have something if you if you still have your genie after the first week or the first month, right? Well, you know, and... how how does it weigh on you? Um, how how are you viewed by other people? You know, right. yeah. There's there's so much added story there. Well, and I think as a reader you you know the structure so you know what to be wondering about for the next issue yeah oh uh, yes and, and yeah. so it's like okay well we, we, you know we did eight months so now it's going to be eight years eight and it's years, like yeah. uh just a fun thought experiment mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. if you're not binging it and you have to sit and chew on it for a little while oh yeah, uh, yeah if you're yeah. reading this monthly mm -hmm. uh you have to say oh my gosh they just did eight decades yeah. surely the next one won't be 
eight centuries. You know, yeah, they've got, yeah. uh, sh- you know, surely there's some wiggle room and they'll say it's, well, you know, there's some, some term for a two decade span. Yeah. Uh, but you know, they're, they're all in, they're committed in mm-hmm. this, uh, predictable yet surprising format. And it's one of those situations where it's almost impossible not to come up with an interesting story when you have a premise like that. Oh yeah. 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 And, and so it's like full marks for the premise. Uh, also, you know, we talk about the wish reluctance and things like that as we'll get into the story. Uh, some great shots at lawyers from Charles. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Which we'll get into it. We will get to that. That, um, that, that, that when, 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 when they first introduced that idea, when, when, when you first saw that, um, that was, that was the, the absolute first thought I had, which is fantastic. But yeah, no, it is, it's a great premise. Um, and it's a super, super fun book. Yes, it is. All right. Well, grab yourself a copy of issues one through eight of Eight Billion Genies. Uh, read it any way you can get your hands on it. Uh, Hoopla is a great option. Obviously, your comic shop is first choice. Uh, and Comixology uh, will get the job done if you want to go there and uh, you know encourage them to adapt more comic books into uh, into IP. Um, to be uh, another option for you. So anyway. We will see you back here next week for our full feature discussion of 8 Billion Genies. Until then, I'll see you. Peace.